Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Nolan Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's been a shitty week for me, um, personally. So we're keeping the podcast this shorter this week, listeners. There's no, as you will notice, there's no DVD shelf this week. We're just going to talk about a smattering of shows that aired this week. And before we get to that, we get to talk about more news. Just when you thought Yay! we could cleanse the palate from the the Trumpiness, uh, we have some TV-related Trump news. Noel, I guess before we get there. My week's been really bad. How has your week been? Please tell me your week has been better. Uh, Well, comparatively, it's been significantly better than yours. And I'm sorry your week has been really terrible. Yeah. Um, But uh, my week's been okay. I came back from a air quotes vacation. (laughs) So you need like two days off so you can recover from it? I really needed like two days off so I could recover and I did not take them. Mm-hmm. And it's also snowing outside right now. Well, it was snowing. It snowed in Everett um, today and across like the entire coast of Washington state. Um, but yeah, so I'm like covered in snow right now. Not, li- not me literally, but the city is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks really pretty, but yeah, no, I'm just really, I'm tired as well. Um, just from, I had a, I had, it's a very long flight. <laughs> and it's a very long uh public transit ride back to my apartment from SeaTac. it's like two two and a half hours um so it's i got home on when did i get home i got home on tuesday and immediately had to turn around and get the cat food um so i wasn't able to like sit down and breathe until um like six o'clock and just in time to write about flash Oh, God, no. I, like, um, whatchamacallit, I shoved that off on someone else. Oh, okay. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be able to. So <laughs> I was in a bad, I was in a bad headspace anyway, just from the sheer exhaustion of it. And I was just like, I'm glad I don't have to write about this. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I could. But yeah, so it's been an okay, it's been an okay week compared to your week. Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's, that's how it's been. Oh, you and, haven't had any close yeah. relatives die? Oh, <laughs> that's good. We're setting yeah. the bar super high. Eventually, mm-hmm. listeners, we will get back to having lovely, wonderful weeks. That will happen. I just refuse to believe it won't. So, but for right now. Sometime in 2017, it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should, um, this week in, in TV, I, I, for positive, I have been enjoying, again, Seth Meyers and The Return of yes. Sam B. And uh, there's been some entertaining Colbert coverage. Uh, but yeah, right now, Trump has been announced he's going to be an executive producer on Celebrity Apprentice. So NBC is going to be paying Trump while it is also its news division covering him as the president. Yeah. I'm sure there won't be any conflict of interest there at all. Right. NBC will probably shrug this off as going, but we don't produce it. It's MGM that produces it. And I promptly go, yeah, but you're paying the licensing fees. And that's basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing, but it might as well be. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think NBC is ever going to just divest itself 
of Trump? Do you think that's going to be a thing that ever happens? Because if it was going to, you'd think it would have hap- it would be happening now, but they're not. Right. Right. No. Um. They're not. Just like um, make a different show. Like give it a new name. Give it a new basic well, format for and has still have Schwarzenegger on. You know they don't need to do the Celebrity Apprentice. Right, and Schwarzenegger's not even a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't under I was really sh- I I was just really surprised because I didn't know that there was a ce- another Celebrity Apprentice happening, and I just went, wait, what? How? What? No, but why? And you just know, like, I mean, people are gonna like there are going to be a number of people who are gonna watch this just because maybe he'll show up, and it's just like no, mm-hmm. no, but he will because he doesn't want to even stay in Washington D.C. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh well, maybe next week we'll get some more Star Trek casting, and that'll that'll like cheer us up again. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, that'll be nice. Yeah. Even though now Brian Brian Fuller's out completely. Yeah. yeah. That's a thing. Never, never. If nothing else, Noel, next week we can just be swooning over Rectify. Just like that can be the whole thing, whole podcast. Just like podcast. We love you, Rectify. We're sorry you're gone. Right? It might be, because there's not going to be a whole lot else on TV next week. That too. I think think most of the broadcast shows wrapped up this week. (laughs) Well, uh, we will have thoughts on those other broadcast shows from this week. Uh, A bunch of them. Not all of them, but a bunch. Uh, We will be holding off on Rectify Talk until next week, uh, because I'm behind. Noel, do you want to give any vague thoughts? Um, I've cried a lot. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Right to face good, yeah, guys. It's it's good. Um, I, I, I don't I don't have anything else to say about that without like I don't wanna like because giving you like emotional tip off type things mm-hmm. I just don't want to provide you. Okay. Because that's part of like the joy of the show's humanism is just little moments of but why and oh this is so good and yeah, so I don't wanna give anything away in in any regard it's just it's really good still yeah and i'm really sad that we we're only going to have one more episode of that show yeah i'm going to really enjoy catching up with it next week is all <laughs> I, I will say about that and I, ex- I expect all of the feels just all of them all the feels that are feels That'll be nice. But for now, we do have plenty of other shows to talk about. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with our week in drama and comedy. Um, Right after this little ditty from our latest Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm so glad it's back. Uh, We'll be right back after this. You have now entered the world of the best friends squad. And when you have friends that are this best, you feel unstoppable. Unstoppable. So prepare to surrender to the power of friendship. Because we're going to take over the world. Like, actually, we are actually going to take over the world. Well, just just look over there. When my friends and I stick together, there's nothing we can't do. And when I say that, I specifically mean we're gonna stay to cool. With the power of our gossip giggles, we'll storm the Pentagon. Then celebrate with bottomless mimosas on the White House lawn. We're gonna break each other's head and cut each other's braids. Connect the braids to build a rope. If he does, shoot him in the head. Oh, 
That was Frontopia from this week's episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, first up this week in drama, we're going to, well, it'll just be a brief week in drama because basically I'm just going to talk about the p- pitch finale, Don't Say It, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then I'll talk a bit about the Insecure finale from last week, Broken, as, and then uh, we'll catch up with Blackish from last week. They had an episode this week, but we're more interested in the one from last week, which was called Bo Racial. And we'll round out our week in comedy and drama with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Who needs Josh when you have a girl group? Um, so first up is Pitch, which rounded out its season finale. Sure. Season finale. Um, it's not getting renewed, guys. I don't think i mean like i would like it to get renewed it's been a really fun season and if nothing else so that we can get another season of mark paul gosler as this character of mike lawson with the beard and the ridiculousness uh i would be super game for another season um but just based on the ratings and the fact that even during the height of baseball season the playoffs it wasn't getting a significant boost uh i am not uh i'm not very hopeful However, I do think it's a really strong, for like one season kind of uh, show. They they take the characters to. I, I I'm gonna leave things a bit vague, Noel, because I know that you haven't had a chance to catch up with it. In case you want to, I do. Um, they, yeah. they okay, okay. So they they get uh, they they progress certain storylines. Um, I know, very like naturally, I know contours of things that happen. So you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, they, what they do, they do a good job of crafting a triumphant sort of progression for their lead here, um, for Ginny, and and then um, in some ways subverting it, and in other ways satisfying where we expect that arc to go. They handle the Ginny and Mike like shipping. You know, there's strong shipping in the yes. fan base with that. Um, they, I thought they handled that really well because I was super not game for any of that. I was like not interested at all. I was so excited that it was again another platonic uh, friendship on TV because we don't get many of those. Uh, we there was a while there where they were very in vogue, but but not anymore. Um, so they they you know hinted towards potential with, with that and then um di- and did it in such a way that i actually found myself enjoying that rather than groaning which was not what i expected initially and i, I also really liked the way they progressed um just the different kind of corners i would have liked for uh Ginny's agent's assistant to get more he I started <laughs> to get more to do in the middle of the season and then that tapered away by the end which was unfortunate um and uh i really liked the the focus on Ginny's uh like coping and the fact that the reminder every now and again that she's like 23 uh this is a lot for someone who's 23 i thought they they did a pretty good job of addressing that and 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 not letting that completely define her but also uh keeping that as a, as a cur- as a current like a, a current underneath the other things that were going on i also really like the storyline that they're giving blip and his wife um um i want to say evelyn uh, to, you know the the, the way that that progressed and intersected with Ginny and her brother, uh, I thought worked really well and was uh, a good, very realistic conflict. Um, eventually, for them to come to like just a, a a point of contention theoretically between them without ever feeling manufactured or like something that should or would actually like threaten their marriage because they're so strong. That they can, their bond is so strong and has been really underlined throughout the series um, in such a nice way that they can have some conflict and you're not worried. It doesn't feel like drummed up as a way to like 
create a rift and then maybe we could have some shipping with blip and Ginny. like they did a really good job of keeping everything ba- feeling very grounded um with that and um the last thing i will say is that the way the season ends um is not what you'd hope if it's not gonna get renewed but uh if it doesn't then I can imagine you know, a whole head cannon. I'm sure that there will be fanfic writers out there taking care of that for me. Um, and if it does come back, I'm very interested to see where they go because there's a lot of potential. The one question mark for me is I, I'm not huge on the way they handled um, Jenny's brother in the second half of the season. I wasn't that didn't feel completely earned to me, but the rest of it uh, felt pretty good. And I would I would like to see Jenny's mom show back up a little bit more. But maybe that's something that if they somehow manage a season two um that they could do then so uh this obviously no this one slipped away from you for a little bit is this something you expect to kind of binge back up on in the <laughs> in the off season here for the next couple of weeks or uh, like when do you see yourself getting to this uh in between playing final fantasy 15 uh is when i see myself getting to it no i'm gonna get to it pretty uh i'm gonna i intend to get to pitch pretty quickly i really liked it a lot but just it's something i wanted to pay attention to while i watched it and then i just just let it kind of build up on the dbr which i didn't intend to do but i just went but i just did other things (laughs) as a instead of watching tv on the weekends and that's Mm -hmm. that's what happened yeah so. well i mean it's like I, i've got rectify on my dvr and right. i love rectify but rectify deserves my full attention yes <laughs> so I, ca- I can watch legends of tomorrow while i'm dealing with stuff and get organizing and sending out invoices and stuff i'm not going to do that with rectify so yeah. you know i i, I totally I, I know what you mean about one and, and the other thing i'll say about pitch that's been really nice um is i really appreciate its tone and that it's just kind of fun and yeah. there's enough of a breezy um, rapport, especially in the in the clubhouse, um, that it just really has been. That's the kind of viewing that I've been going to all the sitcoms for. So like I'm behind on a show I love, Rectify, as it enters its last week. But I'm caught up on all the sitcoms because Kate needed some sitcoms the last couple <laughs> of weeks, and Pitch falls into that for me. Um, whereas I'm not caught up on This Is Us because, again, it's too much with the tears. I don't need that right now. So uh, later. I'll catch up with it later. I know everybody else has been loving it. It's really great ratings on the scale of things. But, um, yeah, so I, that's a long way to say I, I hear what you're saying. The Insecure finale broken. As uh, I thought it was really strong. Uh, I, I thought that the way that the season wrapped up was very uh, effective and leaves us in an interesting place for next season. I like how how much they committed to the more unlikable traits of, for example, Molly in the last few episodes and just did not sugarcoat um, some of her issues. Uh, I also like the way that the last couple episodes really steered into um, Issa being concerned about her relationship, but also uh, very specifically her, her relationship with her, her um, you know, potential fiancé. Um, but, um, but also with Molly, I like that they really strain that and then, you know, have that, uh, not just become subtext to her relationship was with her boyfriend, but also very actively engaged with that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what season two has. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's such a nice, it's such a breath of fresh air again, this show. Um, and it's one that 
I you know I look forward to seeing what season two will bring. And I, I've there's been some tweeting around in in the 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 the, the TV Twitter and all. So I'm gonna do a little sub tweeting here. People talking about there's not a lot of great TV this year, or how would you have 20 shows that could be your... There's so much great TV from this year. What TV are y'all watching? Do you not remember the first half? I mean, like, it's not as, like, all-time great of the decade as the past couple years have been, but there are easily 20 really interesting shows. There's probably at least 10 really interesting freshman shows this year. So, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I haven't seen a lot of that discussion, but I was, I basically have existed on a Twitter blackout for like seven, eight days, <laughs> um, at least in following like my feed. Um, but yeah, I haven't had any issue develop. Like I pretty much locked in my top 20 like this week. Um, and I feel pretty good about it. And it was, it was pretty easy to create the list of just potentials. It was really easy in fact i didn't have any problems coming up with 20 shows yeah so so i was seeing people talk because of course the lists to peek behind the curtain um listeners lists you know for year-end things were due like at the very beginning of december so that's why there was some chatter about that then because people had to come and i saw people straining to come up with 10 and i was just baffled that, that means that more people need to watch steven universe and adventure time is what this means yeah and yeah, especially Steven Universe. I mean, that's like my first five slots was just Steven Universe. And then I just yeah, I just picked 15 other random shows. I think like Mike and Molly's on there right now. So I just I just picked 15 other shows. It doesn't matter. And if you're talking about like, I don't know if this will get anywhere up there for me for this season or this calendar year. But if you're talking about really good single episodes from this year, I think that last week's Blackish could definitely be in contention. Uh, maybe I'm overhyping it. I'm, I'm curious what you think. But I really liked this episode of, of Blackish, Bo Rachel, uh, looking at Bo, having her do the voiceover which was really nice. And, you know, see, getting David Diggs back for <laughs> some more of his, uh, you know, his very special rapport with the family as Bo's brother. Um, yeah, how did you feel about this episode? Am I overhyping it? No, I don't think you're overhyping it at all. I think it was a really a much-ado uh, episode of the show in terms of not only addressing um, Bo as a character and letting her have the narration, which uh, was really surprising uh, just at this stage in the show. But the other thing was to address her biracialality, which this episode title plays off of. And so, no, I don't think you're overhyping it at all because it had one of its patent animated sequences that are just terrific uh, to explain this idea of biracial and also interracial uh, relationships and all that sort of thing and it was really really it was a very quick primary it wasn't as um in depth as some of their other primaries were but it hit like really important highlights uh very very quickly and very effectively and it was just Bo's place within this family has always been background in terms except when her parents have shown up i think like twice and so giving her this space to explore her growing up with confusion about what box she needed to uh, check on 
school forms or how she needed to code her behavior depending on who she was talking to were all things that we've seen on like other shows i'm thinking specifically of like key and peel but we get to see it again play out in very specific ways to Bo's own experiences and i thought that was just it was a really significant episode for that to start playing out and i liked how it got tied also to her sense of motherhood regarding junior and how she ended up like suffering from weird pangs of guilt about how she was feeling but was still willing to acknowledge that this is how she felt and she felt that it was a valid type of feeling and it was just a very complex emotional episode for Bo without being like a very special episode of Blackish um because it was still very funny like you said like David Diggs showed up for doing yoga and being really confused about his feelings about Ruby <laughs> Which was, like, the best. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> I can't say this won't happen. That's... Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was terrific, yeah. So there was a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. If we can just always have flashbacks um, of Bo, because we haven't gotten very many for her. Have we right. Gotten, have we gotten any flashbacks to young oh. Bo? I'm sh- well, we've gotten flashbacks to young Bo, like, when she and Dre were dating, I think, a couple yeah. of times. Like, but together. I don't... Th- yeah. yeah, I don't think we've ever gotten any without her, just her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were terrific. The hair, the, like, her different, like, the clueless versus... Mm-hmm. College. College, yeah, yeah, was just terrific. And it was it was a lot of fun. Um, having, having that come together and to connect, I mean, it, it was a wonderful primer for intersectionality. Of, yes. Like it's not just about her struggling with her racial identity. It's also that ties into her role as a mother. It ties into all of these other things, and it was just terrific to see. And so when she's like, "Oh no, I don't like her. I don't like my son's white girlfriend because of this, this, or that," and then she has to be honest with herself. No, it really just is because she's white. And why? And it's lovely to see that modeled. Let's get back into funny, silly town with crazy ex girlfriend. And who needs Josh when you have a girl group? Um, so this was super duper fun. I didn't know that I wanted or had any space in my life for a, uh, Spice Girls number, but obviously (laughs) I did, and this was lovely, and I really appreciate the way that they are bringing Heather and Valencia together with Rebecca, and just, like, Heather just doesn't do people, and Valencia in the past hasn't done women, like, being having being friends with women um so like they're a little dysfunctional rapport and they're they're, but they're all trying you know they all like are trying to be normal like girl group friends kind of thing but none of them really know how to do that health healthfully um was just delightful uh and then of course we got our hearts ripped out of our chest by paula at the end um in a really terrific wonderful nuanced scene i had a lot of fun with this episode what did you think uh, I felt the same way. Uh, I really I, like you. I didn't know I needed a Spice Girls riff, but it's such a well executed parody slash embrace of the whole girls squad type of mentality in terms of this idea of militarism and playing off of that. <laughs> I thought it was really really funny. And we're gonna take over the banks. 
Yeah. And but we're also going to make everyone watch Hocus Pocus. And I just, I appreciated, A, the Hocus Pocus reference is very grounded within that age group. So that I really responded to, because as soon as I watched that number, I um, text, I was in Slack talking to Caitlin Thomas over at TV Guy. I was just like, there was a number that makes tells people to all watch Hocus Pocus, and she freaked out. Because <laughs> people our age love Hocus Pocus, because we grew up with that. It's our, it's our Bette Midler touch, it's our Bette Midler touchstone. Um... But the then you just get all that Paula stuff with her trapped in the bathroom, and then the horrible, horrible return of what's his name that I cannot even Sunil. remember. But yes, um, but it was it's just all really good. And yes, my heart was ripped out by everyone, by Paula just being like coming clean with everything, and I cannot wait to see how all of this plays out over the over the rest of the season. Uh, and how they're going to grab if they're even going to like kind of reconcile in any way because right now I'm not even convinced that there's necessarily a way for them to really reconcile um, right now um, but I, I want to see them get to that point where they can do that I just don't think either of them are in a position to do that like Rebecca's still super hung up on Josh and Paula's just like I have other things going on yeah what do you think about the return of Trent? Oh, Trent. Uh, I, I was deeply amused by the return of Trent, um, particularly his just his shopping for stuff. I thought was really, really amusing. And, and I liked how every, Josh, White Josh, and Hector, I think that's his name, yeah. pretty sure, like yeah. 80% sure it's Hector, were all deeply confused by his behavior, but we're willing to go along with it because they wanted seats at the bar. Um, but uh, at the same time, it feeds into that kind of self-destructive behavior that Rebecca's again, like falling into by sleeping with Trent again, but just that one time. So how did you feel about it? Oh, I thought it was fun. And like, yeah. I, I like that the actor is getting so much more to do and that he's yeah. obviously can do it. Um, I, I, just a couple weeks ago, put all the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs like onto my phone, so I've been listening to them as I drive around a lot more, including Dear Rebecca Nora, no, <laughs> Nora Slam, <laughs> from from whenever that was that he showed up. Um, so it, he's been more in, that character's been more in my awareness of the show more recently, so that was just kind of like, ah, instead of, wait, who is this again? Um, and uh, so I think that's been fun, and also it, it gives us an opportunity be for Josh to have someone to spend some time with now that he's alienated all his friends by his codependency with his new girlfriend already. Um, I just, I need more. I need so much more of judgmental Y Joe in my life. Judgmental white Josh is the best Josh. Yeah. It's just the, it's, it's the best Josh. And yeah, it's just the best Josh. Um, what did you think about, um, Maya and Daryl finally, figuring themselves out, at least in terms of their work relationship, because poor Maya. I was really glad that she had this moment to shine. <laughs> yeah, I really liked, because I've been actually kind of troubled by how, like, her, just how much harassment Daryl's been dishing out towards Maya. Yes. And, the, and I think they very, they, they had a little bit of it last season, but they really keyed it up here because they were building to this. Yes. Um, but I, so I really liked that they did address it and it wasn't just like, cause it seemed the last couple weeks, so are they just going more for comedy with that? But I liked that they were going somewhere and that they, you know, they, they, they had this come to be again, a character moment with Daryl and, 
um, his this awareness of himself um, from himself about himself and that being why he he lashes out at her a bit and I like that they just gave her they just gave them a victory lap at the end I thought yes. that was such a nice it's like it's so dorky but they it's not the the public shaming that oh so many other shows would do it's instead a right. bizarre for whatever reason this is really caught on um, so I yes. thought that was really nice. Uh, no, I totally agree. I was surprised that they were just like, it's a viral sensation. I just went, sure. Hey, you know it's what? Viral... Gangnam Style was a viral sensation. Anything yeah. could be a viral sensation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, what wins your week in comedy and drama, Noel? Is it Yuri on Ice? Uh, it is Yuri on Ice. I know we didn't discuss it, but um, this week's episode was, again, really, really good. Um, I, I swear, when we have a bare bones type of type of episode i will just discuss yuri nice but it was really really good this week it was really good they exchanged rings eventually i will have watched it and so then yeah. I, I can have thoughts <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to make you watch this before the next august <laughs> yeah it will happen it will happen um I what will... about you what when your week oh man i i'm kind of torn because mm-hmm. there was like, because I didn't watch. I mean, I actually watched a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about. Because again, sitcoms. Yeah. I've watched like maybe ten or twelve episodes of season one of Bob's Burgers that I somehow missed. So like, I've been watching. Oh, a lot nice. Of, yeah. Um. But um. Oh, gosh, I feel. Did you like, Did you watch Crawl Space? Because that's like my one of my favorite episodes. I don't think so. It's I, the one where he gets stuck in the crawl space and has all the shining riffs. No, I'm going to need to seek that one out, though, obviously. Oh, it's really good. It's from season one. It's like episode three or four. Okay, yeah. No, I, I started at, like, six, I think. So I will, oh, okay. I will go back and see. Yeah, excellent. Um, okay. But um, I'm just I'm stalling here because I'm looking at <laughs> Bo Rachel, Broken is and Who Needs Josh When You Have a Girl Group. So I feel like um, I'm going to actually... All three! I'm going to... I'm going to... Tie, I, I'm gonna give it a tie with Insecure and Blackish this week. Okay, because um, Insecure it's a finale. I won't have another opportunity, but Blackish is on hiatus, so I'm not gonna have another opportunity this year for to that one. So I'm going to just sit right cozy on this here fence and give it to both. Um, now we will take a break, listen to a little hairspray live, and come back with our week in reality and genre. Oh, 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 you can't stop today.
is You Can't Stop the Beat, uh, part of it, I should say, from Hairspray Live, which aired, of course, is the most recent live musical um, uh, on NBC. And this for this week in reality and genre, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Hairspray Live. Then Nolan and I will both talk Great American Baking Show, which had uh, last week had Cake Week and Cookie Week. This week is Bread Week. Uh, then we'll talk a little Top Chef season 14. Uh, the premiere was from last week, something old, something new, and there was nothing this week as well. Then we'll talk to the trio of uh, CW finales, uh, mid-season finales. We have Flash, The Present, Arrow, What We Leave Behind, and Legends of Tomorrow, The Chicago Way. Um, so first up is Hairspray Live. And Noel, we were talking about this a little bit before. You said you're not familiar with Hairspray. Hairspray is such a wonderfully, beautifully infectious show. You know, this is something I haven't had a chance to read her review yet, but uh, Caroline Sita over at the AV Club, friend of the show, Caroline Sita, last week, Enterprise guest, um, reviews the live musicals for the AV Club. Um, And what she talked about um, on Twitter when she was, you know, putting her review up was how happy she was that this show, with its messages of of love and acceptance and uh, and integration and and um, an upending of intolerance, um, making like the, the idea that we're going to keep moving forward. Time is going to keep moving forward, and progress is going to keep moving forward. And eventually, it may take way too long, but eventually, you're not going to be able to stop that because everybody who's too uh, who's who's in power? Who has is too um, racially? Uh, in this case, for the musical, it's about the integration of a dance show, a teen dance show. So, the people in power are, are you know, the the, the uh, like very waspy uh, Van Tussles. Um, they're eventually gonna die. You know, like eventually they're gonna die, and the more tolerant generation who grew up with people underneath them is going to become more and more into power that's that's part of the message of hairspray um it because you know set in the 60s and the optimism of it right now is just beautiful and i don't know that i necessarily agree with that anymore at least for right now in where the country is right now but it is a beautiful thing to see and there's also of course all the 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 central character being a larger girl um and the the body shaming and all of this different stuff that goes in into that as well it's just it's just such a beautifully uplifting show that it was really nice to have that in sort of our discussion on, on twitter for people who are watching it but even just to like you know of all the different musicals that they could put on this it has a really really strong um soundtrack and and list of show of songs and and um and so there's so it's really catchy but even but just having of all the different shows that you could watch that are really catchy and that would work live it was so nice to have it be this show this week um and this fall um i, I the trouble is that the original hairspray um the film and then the the musical are pretty terrific so you're not gonna do much better than that. i'm glad they brought harvey Fierstein as as uh you know tracy's mom but you're not this is, i'd rather you're not gonna improve on the the broadway cast recording as far as i'm concerned so it was a lot of fun and was certainly to be able to watch it live uh was really uh and, and, and interact and, and share with the people who might not be have been exposed to it before was really great um but between this and then there is also the the movie which is solid if not as good as as the original cast recording um you know i don't know that this is something that we needed musically but it was still 
a really just a really beautifully uplifting positive show to see and on the whole it was executed pretty well i didn't really like the um interjections that they had uh those were you know i, I don't think we needed quite so so many of the talking heads with darren chris and everything but um but it, and the whole i thought it worked um and and again the energy was so infectious that i could you know like if, if i need a pump me up song I'm, I'll just put on we. Uh, you can't stop the the beat, which is null for for your information. That's the closing number, which just escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates. Um, as more people join in, the more people join in, and it's just it's a beautiful, rousing closing number. It's I think one of the best closing numbers um, in recent Broadway history. Um, so they, I thought they executed it well, and um, yeah, I just. If I'm if I'm having a down day and I want to put something on in the car, I was already gonna put on hairspray, you know, before the the, the fall of 2016. That was you know it's just been a a punch to the gut. So I just you know, do we need it? No, there's a hairspray movie and a hairspray musical and a hairspray movie musical. We didn't need another version of hairspray, but of all the different musicals they could do right now, this is just so wonderfully timely. So um, thumbs up to the coincidence of of the cast or the the uh selection of hairspray live i didn't see much talk about it on twitter did you see much talk on twitter uh i saw a bit yeah uh not not a whole lot but some more than i was expecting to see um which considering the fact that this was their lowest rated um musical event that they've done so far which wasn't super surprising since hairspray isn't i think as like out there in a lot of ways compared to Sound of Music or uh, Peter Pan or... Yeah, it just doesn't have the history yet. Yeah, yeah. Or the Wiz, for that matter, so... We'll see what they do next. Um, but yeah, I'm glad then, because I was working when it was airing, so I you know, I caught up on it later, so I'm glad that people were talking about it. But um, anyways, I've been waxing rhapsodic about just my love of Hairspray and, and need for something like that right now. Uh, let's instead, let's move over to our next show in our weekend reality, which is the Great American baking show listeners you know i love the great british bake-off the great british baking show i wrote about how much i loved it this summer over at av club i've also talked on this podcast before about how uh how much of an utter failure the holiday baking show was uh last winter um i have thoughts about the great american baking show this is or season two you know of, as they're calling it um but i'm gonna throw it over to you noel did you watch last year's holiday great american baking show or like their holiday thing that they did um if so what did you think of that and how does this compare i didn't watch it i didn't know it was on um you were not alone <laughs> i i was not alone and i also forgot that they did a jeff foxworthy hosted version on cbs like two years ago yes i, I also watched that one i forgot about that entirely until like last week when i saw this uh the great american baking show and i went Oh, okay. And I was like, I was aware that they had brought Mary Berry over for the holiday thing last year. I just didn't watch it. Um, so, no! And I, I can go ahead and tell you that uh, you're not missing much if you're not watching The Great American Baking Show either. Um, which is a very weird thing because it's it's the same show, but yet not the same show in any way, shape, or form. I was talking about it with a couple of folks um, and tweeting about it, and my basic... There are a lot of things that need to be, like, kind of unpacked from this as, like, a reality format that's been imported, which is very common to do with reality shows. 
Uh, it's for any number of them, Big Brother Survivor, they all have been imported from other countries and the format's been adjusted and tweaked as needed. So doing it here is no surprise. But then there's just the fact that my big takeaway from this was the fact that this this makes me think that this is what the Channel 4 version of the Great British Bake Off is going to be in a lot of ways in terms of its hollowness, in terms of the commercial breaks, in terms of not having Mel and Sue, um, which, I mean, which is not a knock against Ian and Nia, as they're both quite nice, um, but their patter is very clearly supposed to be Mel and Sue patter, and that's not a good use of either of their talents. And it gets into the whole format importation thing in which they didn't need to mimic Mel and Sue like that. And they don't need to mimic... Even the score is the same as the Great British Bake Off. And you're just like, but why are we doing this? And this show was not constructed for commercial act cliffhanger outs because we know everything's going to turn out okay. That's the whole point of the show, guys. (laughs) Um, Barring any sort of baked Alaska issues. Um, so it's not very good. It's, uh, it's frustrating to watch there. The judging doesn't have the same spark because what's his name is not very good in any way, shape or form. He's too rock star. Um, and compared to Mary Berry, I don't know how you could not be too rock star because Mary Berry's the best and she's a rock star in her own right. And you're just a poser next to her. And yeah, it's just, it, there's not a whole lot of good there. And the other thing that I'll have to say is that I'm just convinced now that every person in Britain knows how to bake everything. And I don't think that anyone on this show really bakes very much. And yeah, and we were, t- I mentioned, I'll close with this and toss it over to you. But my, the big, big thing, and this was from the cookie week, was the fact that the show used biscotti as as the technical and no Kate, even as a novice to the franchise, biscotti is not the technical challenge. Everyone knows what a biscotti is. They may not have made one, but they know what it looks like and they know what it should be. (laughs) You don't do biscotti for the technical, you do it for the signature. So that was my big, like I'm, I'm out you guys, even though their bread week was kind of a, uh, trickier challenge, I thought, but still, overall, this is this is a really pale, pale imitation that made me think that this is what the Channel Four version was going to be. What about you? How you've 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 mentioned that you'd already watched all the other previous incarnations of this. Uh, so, how was this one working for you uh, compared to the other ones? And quite obviously, this isn't you're not going to like this as much. So, did, did anything stand out as particularly noticeable? good or bad for you for this oh well there's nothing noticeably good (laughs) i mean like mary berry is good right and her keying into like the the cake being upside down like that was a fun little moment um johnny's don't don't question mary berry come on i know uh that was a fun little moment though you know especially because american audiences won't be as familiar with her they might be more familiar with kim from his season of top chef just desserts you know judging on that yeah so you know american audiences if they don't watch great british baking show first of all qua get the pbs um but but if they're not familiar with who she is that's a nice little moment to kind of keep people in that she knows what she's talking about but no this is terrible um here like you're so much kinder to this than i am 
Um, I, I watched the first episode and did not watch more than that. Speaking of technicals, yeah, Biscotti is a ridiculous technical challenge. Way too easy. Um, I make much more complicated Christmas cookies than Biscotti every single year. Not this year, but every single year. Um, and the ones that survived, you've had them, the ones that survived mailing. Like, Biscotti's not hard. Like, there's, like, lots of things you could do that would be hard, that would be interesting and a challenge. And that is not one of them. Also, in Cake Week, the, uh, the, the applesauce cake that you had, they made, the apple and, and almond, like, that's not a complicated cake either. Like, you have to, yeah, the apple thing could be kind of tricky, but anybody who knows anything about, like, a, like, I've seen those cakes, and I, like, I've got a gluten, gluten allergies in my family, so, like, that's a very popular kind of go-to kind of cake if you need gluten-free. So that is not an obscure kind of cake either. So that, so yeah, just the, the level of the challenges is terrible. But um, so on the hosts, they are not Mel and Sue. They should stop trying to be Mel and Sue because they're not. I really actually enjoy both of those actors and, you know, at times comedic actors. I've not seen any of Nia uh, Vidalis, her stand-up, uh, which I know that she has does do stand-up. I haven't seen it, but... They aren't funny. Stop trying to be funny if you're not funny. Be your own kind of funny. But they're just like, you'd think they would have learned that after last year, and they haven't. And so it's just like a lot of groaning, and like there's, it's just bad. It's just bad, bad patter. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Like bring over Mel and Sue or just go for a different tone. And again, don't try to be something that you aren't. Um, and to go to the level of the bakers, the reason, the biggest reason I can point to, the number one reason why this will never work, this show will never work until they change the way they shoot it and all, is that they fly all the bakers to England, or I should say to Britain, because I'm not sure exactly where they, the, to the actual, like, Great British Break Off tent, mm -hmm. and they put them up in hotels, and they shoot, like, every day for the whole season in one, in one stretch. And that is the single biggest component to why this show is not good. Because on the Great British Baking Show, Great British Bake Off, they do a weekend of intense baking, and then they go home, and they can practice their bakes. They can rest. They can recharge with their family. They can, you know, like, recover a little bit and then f get excited again and make sure they've practiced everything so they can do more challenging, more interesting, more intricate bakes. They, have, they don't have the opportunity to do this. People on the American Baking Show, Great American Baking Show, don't have that luxury. Because uh, they, they're not going to fly people in and out every weekend. And so not having those five days off in between each thing is what results in these really substandard uh, challenges and bakes. Because last season, they had they were still very simple compared to Great British Baking Show, but more challenging than what we've seen this season. The challenges, the, the things, the tasks that they gave them. And they just, like, collapsed. Everybody just got worse over the course of the season instead of getting better because they all got more tired and they, they lost steam, and they started second-guessing themselves, and they didn't have a few days to like then kind of shore up their confidence again. Um, so it just it, does, it doesn't work. That is a huge part of what makes The Great British Bake Off a success and what makes the, the, uh, the demeanor of the show and the, the quality of the baking on the show so distinctive and so uh, exemplary. You, you don't have the, a chance for people to come in refreshed and then start anew, and you don't have a chance for them to shake off a defeat. And so what happens is people just get into a track, and then they stay in it. And that happened last season, and that happened this season. And it's just, it, 
you're it's not it's just a basic misunderstanding of why the original one works as well as it does the way that it does uh, you can't just put the pieces together uh, and and think that you're going to have the same show there's an alchemy to this and they certainly have not captured it here um yeah not even a little bit so uh do you have any thoughts on this i, I just i'm so much more i mean like i take baking very seriously i know you do my family um so i'm just when i'm just sitting here looking there going like you're calling that a that's not a bunt that's just a stupid what are, oh gosh so it was my sister and i were watching this and we you know she she does more of the baking even than i do in our family um and it just was just we're just shaking our heads we're just yelling at the tv it's a different kind of watching but we're not going to watch more no, and there's not much reason to. I did, like, the bread week because I love bread week, and I love bread. Bread's my favorite. Um, I would I would marry bread if it were legal in this country. Um, it's not, <laughs> which, uh, trust me, I have signs. But um, there's I don't think that there's much incentive to watch more. And I was actually really curious about the filming aspect. I didn't research it because I'm lazy. Uh, so, and you know that I'll just talk your head off about it if you're ever curious. <laughs> right. I, I should have just asked you, but I, again, you've had a really busy week, and I was just like, I'm not going to ask Kate about this crap show. I'll wait, <laughs> I'll wait to talk to her about it, and she'll just tell me. And it happened. Um, so, but that was really that was really telling, because I was really watching it. I was wondering, what, wondering while I was watching it, I was just like, but you guys placed all of that while it was daytime, but it's nighttime now. What happened? And I was deeply confused about that, and I was wondering if I didn't even I didn't realize that they had flew them out to the actual tent and everything. I just thought that they popped the tent up somewhere in L.A. or like Virginia, and went, "All right, here you guys go, bake." And so finding that they like shipped everyone to uh, the U.K. and put them up in a hotel is absolutely terrible because it falls into exactly what you just outlined is that everyone just gets really exhausted and you're even seeing that in like the third episode people are just like kind of haggard already and it's because they're baking every single day for hours on end it's just like here's five hours to make some cakes and some breads and some cookies and she's like oh god i never get to sleep and that's exactly like we've talked about this over the summer during the when pbs aired uh one of the the second most, third most recent season of the British version. Season six. Season yeah. six, thank you. Uh, that, like you said, everyone gets time to recharge, they get to practice. You don't get to practice in a hotel unless you're allowed to commandeer the hotel's kitchen, if it has a kitchen. And that, I think you're right, makes absolute total sense in terms of just the quality and the quality of the challenges as well. It's just like, we're not going to ask them to do anything really complicated because we spent all this money flying them out here and we can't do anything else. So biscotti, that's, that's what it is. And so, no, it's not good. No. And the, um, the last thing I'll mention is that this is very much, you know, they're very much going for like the holiday baking. Right. right? Which is the other big problem with this is it limits everyone. Well, but they're in a tent and it's green. It's obviously not that time of year. Like, it's so obviously not Christmas time when they're filming it. It's like... It's very obviously summer. (laughs) Yeah. So it doesn't... It just feels really, really fake. Really forced and fake. Because they're in a tent and they're wearing, like, short sleeves and their hair up while they're talking about Christmas time. It's just... It feels really forced and... 
there would there's a way I do believe there's a way that you could do this show much better, much more accurate, like really have a much higher chance of, of capturing some of the magic of the original. The Jeff Foxworthy version, he also he was doing his own thing. He at least didn't try to be Mel and Sue. Because, um, of course, then it hadn't become a hit in the U.S. at all. The British show version hadn't. Um, but he was being his own. His own he was doing Foxworthy. Work as well. Yeah. He was doing Foxworthy. Um, and, and they were in a tent, but I think the tent was in the U.S., uh, which helped. Um, but um, so they, have, they haven't quite. There's things about that version of it that were more successful. Um, and things about the, the new one that theoretically should be. But, I mean, I can't even. They're on national TV. They're, they're filming every day for, like, at least – they're baking for five hours, let alone then all the the waiting in between things and calling the camera over and then the interviews and everything. Like, it's a long, stressful day. And then they do that day after day after day after day after day. It's just – it's a recipe for – God, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Uh, you're, you built you're up gonna, to it really nicely, though. I built up – it's a recipe for, for self-destruction, and that's not what the Great British – baking show is supposed to be the great british bake off the in this case the great american baking show we don't want our contestants to collapse so like many a bad souffle they shouldn't have to collapse like a flan in the cupboard yes (laughs) indeed um well let's move on to our next show which is top chef i was surprised i did because i was like top chef out yes um at the end of the last season so was I, i i had fun with these i i see when you mentioned top chef you were just like top chef came back and i just went I don't care, Kate. I'm yeah. still really exhausted from last last session, and I I vaguely recall saying I think I just need to skip a season to kind of like get back into the groove of the show. But I am all in on this season already <laughs> because it's a redemption season. Well, half of it's half a redemption season because I I was unaware that this was happening. Is that they brought back eight folks from previous seasons to compete against eight eight new people and i'm just like yes i will watch this and on all eight of the returning chefs from previous seasons are all people i either like or love to hate and i was just like i'm in for this all the way already and it's only been two weeks yeah i'm very excited (laughs) yeah i was i was very surprised i didn't know it all i didn't know anything about it so i didn't i also didn't know that it was a returning thing but and they're really pushing the veterans versus rookies thing yeah um, it's way too hard much. yeah yeah but what i enjoy is watching the rookies go hey we're not rookies and they're not because they're veteran chefs right been so long time. It's like, but they oh, haven't guys. been on the show and they make so many mistakes yeah it's like that's it's nobody's saying that you're a rookie chef you're a rookie top chef contestant because they are very very different and it's so funny to watch the people who are like ah yeah i remember when we did that we're smarter now. <laughs> well, I mean, um, <laughs> it's not even stuff like, oh, we claim the bed because we put stuff on it. No, it's watching the rookies just completely collapse while grocery shopping. Like, complete meltdown. And everyone, and the returning chef's going, suckers. <laughs> or the, the, the rookies looking at them running around the scampering around the kitchen like crazy and be like, they just look like turkeys with their head cut off. It's like... Yeah, all of them are doing better than you. You know why? Because they know they need to haul ass. So by the end of the season, you're going to be looking like that too. Yeah, it was it was fun. It definitely. And the other thing I'll say is that it's, I think they brought back a good mix of chefs. Having it be half and half, I think, yes. is good. So it's not all returning chefs. You get some fresh blood. You get some, theoretically, some new ideas. And some new, like, 
the relationships and like uh like, like working relationships to develop between different like new chefs and old chefs but they also have a good mix of seasons so having like sam for season two yes is, is really great really good. Yeah, yeah i agree no i was really happy when i saw him because i i, I really liked sam in season two uh but i was mostly just excited like sheldon was back i love sheldon mm-hmm. uh Surely, also yes. No, it, like it's an entirely really good group. Like even even John showing up, I was just like, I hated you. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I hated you. You're a dick, but you're also good when you're good. Like you're yes. Good. You know, like you, if, if there are people that feel like they deserve to be there, and I like that Casey was there. She's like, this is my third time. What am I doing? But then she immediately does really well. Yes, so they were reminding her why she, you know everybody yeah. why she's there. So yeah, yeah I, I I was like you very surprised to be as enthused as i am currently about top chef so we'll see you know when we next check in with it but yay yeah i think one thing to mention though um is the premiere um yes Yes. has this season takes place in charleston south south carolina and thank you for confirming that i just went is charleston north carolina no wait the map is clearly south carolina noel you lived in the south for over 30 years <laughs> you should know what the shit that region looks like yeah, um maybe. yeah maybe um i'm a product of the american public public education system what do you want from me um <clears throat> so it takes place in charleston which centrally located is nice after last season's we're gonna trek across all of california all season it's just like no don't do that um, it's not good. So centra- being centrally located in Charleston is going to be really interesting, even though I wish it were Atlanta, but whatever. Uh, they decide to do their first, like, elimination challenge. <laughs> and it's just a, like, elimination quickfire challenge type of thing. Um, last chance, however, I forget the nomenclature for it, but there wasn't, like, a big elimination challenge. It was, eh, you failed in the quick, two of you failed in the quickfire, you're up for elimination, cook for your life type thing. And then they do it on a plantation, Kate. And it's not... It, and it's just like, well, no, don't do it on a plantation. And there's lip service paid to the fact that it was a plantation. They ask both of the contestants up for elimination. How are you feeling about this? And the one black guy is just like, it feels kind of weird. And But I feel connected to my history. But it feels kind of weird without saying, what the f- are we doing here (laughs) whereas john tessar is just like my mother was a civil rights activist so this is a nice reminder of that and i just went no and then i understand that's pre-written but padma talking about honoring the people who worked and toiled there and i just went worked and toiled yes that's exactly that's exactly say we're enslaved (laughs) yes it's just like guys come on just That's not controversial. <laughs> so, Colicchio, like, responded on social media as saying, well, we really like the location. Did you just want us to, like, shoot around the fact that it was a plantation and not acknowledge it in any way, shape, or form? And tricky thing to answer, and the short answer is... Just don't shoot there in the first place. There you go. <laughs> that or, solves that problem. If you really want to shoot there, there's an episode. Yeah, no, but, it's an entire know, like, episode. You could do an episode around cooking of that time period and yeah. the, and like really celebrate the work that that slaves did, you know, and and 
and talk about the culture, the, the food culture and history of that, like they sort of did in the second episode. The second episode, that comes up a lot with one of the guest chefs that they have on to influence them and inspire them to do that. And the, it, that part actually rang much truer than this really ham-fisted, blunt, yeah. sad attempt did in the premiere. Yeah. But yeah, so they, like, it, that's going to be an issue if you're going to film and you're looking for a bunch of different types of locations. There's only so many in each given region that yeah. you're going to be shooting around. So I can see why they're feeling limited in, in, in having their options and wanted to shoot at this location. But then you have to be much more thoughtful, in yeah. my opinion, about how you do it. Uh, so thank you for reminding me. I would have forgotten to mention that because I, I watched it last week. And so it's kind of gone out of my brain. So thank you very I, much. Noel. It's OK. I watched it today. <laughs> so you're you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but you need to tell me who won last chance kitchen oh because... no i haven't watched it yet <laughs> oh you don't know either because yeah. i tried to watch it on bravo and they wouldn't let me because they just kept recycling the 30 second last chance kitchen is happening thing but they wouldn't actually play the 11 minute episode so while i could look to see who won mm-hmm. i kind of want to watch it <laughs> well, crazy talk crazy talk um well we'll find out maybe next week maybe we'll talk about it yeah. next week um when we yeah. have both have a chance to watch it but for now let's move on to our week in genre so uh we have first up the flash and the presence we got earth three we got jay garrick we got somewhat of an answer about savitar we got uh tom felton saying philosopher's stone um <laughs> how did you feel i think i this? think you mean sorcerer's stone clearly Kate. he's british <laughs> philosopher's stone uh what did you think of the mid-season finale uh, it was perfectly fine, I thought. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling Flash a whole lot this season. Mm-hmm. Like it's really kind of off and on this year for me. And this was this was kind of middle of the road in terms of the fact that we didn't have to deal with a pointless metahuman of the week because they've been really, really bad with their metahumans of the week this year so far, which has been really distressing because I love metahumans of the week. They provide a story spine to the episode, and the show's just like meh. So, like you said, we got a lot of we got some answers about Savitar in terms of this is how he has his powers. This is why he looks like Ultron meets Sauron meets a Transformer, kind of. And we learned that uh, Julian is kind of just like both a CSI and Indiana Jones, which was fun to find out. You know, because why not? Like you are. Like you are, but that he was alchemy kind of like against his will, mind control type of stuff, which was which was good to find out. And it means that they didn't just didn't cast Draco Malfoy to be a bad guy, just an unwilling bad guy and a jerk. But those are two very different things. But overall, uh, the big thing, I think, from this episode is the fact that they're starting to pivot away from Flashpoint as the central tension within the show and turn to this idea of Barry knows the future in terms of Iris is going to die and be killed by Savitar and what can he do to prevent that from happening apart from just never ever going on the street ever again Mm -hmm. Um, just don't go there at night is apparently not a good enough answer and so that will become I think the central tension going forward it's not a super interesting central tension for me in part because when they were talking about throwing the uh, the stone that brings Savitar into this dimension or mm-hmm. however that works is just all pure blue energy and I just go guys it's obviously connected to the speed force throwing it into the speed force is not going to do you any good <laughs> So, yeah, it was a perfectly fine mid-season finale. It, like with with the exception of Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow also kind of ends on this 
transitionary note of going to something else and starting like the second half in a much clearer sense than what Arrow does. And we'll talk about this. So it was perfectly fine. I liked some of the Cisco stuff that we got through this. Um, even if a lot of it, again, felt kind of short circuited by the ups and downs of Cisco's arc this season of being resolved in his anger towards Barry, but then kind of like getting Zet pulled into this uh thing with uh the stones illusion of of uh, dante and so it just kind of felt up and down in a weird dramatic arc sort of way i wasn't glomming onto it as much as i wanted to but i've talked for like three minutes about this uh how did you feel about this finale did anything in particular stand out for you how much did you enjoy drunk hr because drunk hr is the best hr <laughs> Um, I thought, you know, I was, I was okay with, with the episode. Um, I, the, the reveal of, of, you know, who alchemy is. Like, I like that there is some nuance to it with like the yeah. lost time and everything. It's just so obvious when it's like, we're going to bring in a new character who's never been here before. Not yeah. related to the new villain at all, ladies and gentlemen. Play, pay no attention. I mean, it's so on the nose, yeah. but you know, I don't. I don't expect more than that from Flash anymore, which is kind of you know disappointing. But I don't. Um, so I guess at least they didn't drag it out longer. I don't think yes. they needed to drag it out as long as they did, but at least they didn't drag yes. it out longer. I like that we apparently are just up straight up Kid Flash for Wally again. If they're just going straight forward, no, he's just going to be Kid Flash. They didn't need to wait this long to get there, but. At least, again, at least now he's got a suit and the, everybody's on board and it took too long to get there, but, and there wasn't really any significant reason, uh, and they didn't go back to the well of, dude, Barry watched you die. That's a good yeah. reason for Barry to have issues, and Barry told his dad and your dad about watching you die, so, like, they have good reasons to be, but but they didn't, they didn't refresh that, they just have, they just kept having Iris and Joe say, no, you can't, but not actually... Yeah giving emotional reasons and, and, and validation to what they were saying and, and what they were feeling. Uh, so that didn't work as well as it should have. But at least, again, at least he's in the suit, finally. Um, as far as the rest of the episode, um, yeah, like, I was like, okay, you're going to throw it into the Speed Force and hope that just solves it. Um, why don't you just call Supergirl and have her throw it into the void of space? Yeah, into the sun. Just use your little interdimensional I mean, doohickey device that you created at the end of the crossover and just go, can you throw this into the sun for us, please? please pretty please. <laughs> um, I watched this guy uh, kill my, my, my girlfriend um, in the future, so if you would just, like, that feels like it's worth a phone call, you know? So at that point, well, they had already to, thrown it into yeah. the Speed Force. But, yeah, I was, yeah, I was about to say, yeah. But, but you know what I mean. Um, so yes. that is, like... That's underwhelming. Um, they just really need to get away from speedsters as villains, but it's they're committed now for the entire season. So, yeah, yeah, that, it's just a, a law of diminishing returns with that. So, mm. but um, you know, the rest of it, you know, like getting Barry's back on the force. Uh, uh, is this a CSI? Those a little tidy on and off. You know, it's just this. It's been too much of a season of treading water, and um, there's been something like again. I said it the last week. Carlos uh, Valdez is doing his best, the Cisco stuff, but there's not enough motivation. There's not enough 
in between. So he's doing his best with each of the scenes, but we need more framework in between. We need we need more webbing, basically. Um, yeah. So that when he's like, I will open this now. And then 30 seconds later, I will close this now. Because Caitlin said I should close it. Like, it was, I didn't, didn't buy it. Um, and it's a shame. Because that, like, gooey core of heart, of heart of the show has always been its biggest strength. Um, and it didn't really... I don't feel like it's there in the same way this season. So, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think I liked it more than you did, but not a lot more. Yeah. And, well, I think since we're mentioning the law of diminishing returns, we should talk about Arrow. Yeah. And the fact that, guys, guess what? Laurel's back from the dead. Well, or it's <laughs> in his head, or it's... It's not in dimension. his head. They've... Con- yeah, they've confirmed that it's not a hallucination. Okay, but I mean... But they also said she was dead dead, and everyone just went, but time travel, and other and Earths. And other Earths, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm actually, I was excited to see her show up, um, because I enjoy the the actor at this point. When they give her, th- when they let her be fun, she's really good. Yes. Um. So, why not, basically, is where I'm at with it, and I'm not more invested in Arrow, like, the structure of the show right now. To, to feel like, like this will disrupt anything, since I'm not invested in that stuff. I was just like, most of us watching this have going, yay, we didn't go to Russia! We had useful flashbacks. See, see, Arrow, this is what you can do if you aren't losing a third of your episode to stuff no one ever cares about, except in season two. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not excited about Laurel being... A Laurel, uh, a Laurel, Laurel being yeah. back. Um, some Laurel, in part because... Like, I had written about this when Laurel died, when their Laurel died, that I'm just fatigued on Arrow just bringing people back from the dead all the time. Like, it's, we're going to resurrect Sarah. We're going to kind of resurrect Thea. She was only mostly dead. And we're going to resurrect Malcolm because he had really cool breathing exercises. And I, I, I understand it's a staple of comic books. It's a staple of soap operas. And Arrow's very much a marriage between those two impulses as a television show. So I understand that that's like built into the show's DNA, but I'm just really tired of it. And uh, I'm most of the time it's been done for the sake of franchise building or plot twists and not necessarily for character reasons. And that's always been my biggest problem with Arrow bringing people back from the dead is that it's never made, it's never had a huge impact on like a character level in any really way, shape, or form. Like, I even think about, like, Sarah's resurrection and Legends of Tomorrow kind of saying she has bloodlust. Kind of, maybe, a little bit. But now we're just like, she's fine, don't worry about it. She wants to kill Damien Dark, but that has nothing to do with the fact that she was in a Lazarus pit. So there's never any real impact for when they bring someone back. And so this potential laurel of from another Earth, from time travel... I have questions about how anyone on the show achieved that in any way, shape, or form, because I don't think Prometheus did any of this, but who the hell knows at this point, since we don't know anything about Prometheus. And we don't care about Prometheus. Right, and which gets into my other thing, where I'm kind of upset that Evelyn turned out to be a traitor, insofar mm-hmm. as, oh, so we got rid of Evelyn so Thea could come back? Because we can only have one and a half women on the team in a costume at any given time? Yeah. And so, and I really liked Evelyn as a character. I thought she bought a lot of really good questioning type of stuff in a different way than, like, Renee does 
and which is a very kind of stereotypical anti-authoritarianism type of approach, whereas Evelyn's was more grounded in sort of an emotional response, and I really liked that. But now we're just like all pro-team Arrow slash pro-team Oliver brouhaha, and it's just like, that's not interesting at either for these dynamics. And I'm also really sad that Curtis's husband left, but understandably left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that's a good dramatic point. I mean, how awesome is it that we're watching a fight that we've seen so many times on TV in these kinds of shows? Yes. We're, we're watching it unapologetically between two men who yes. love each other so much. And it, I, I just thought it was, I thought it was terrific. The, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really great. And, um, I look forward to that that relationship and that arc getting the kind of heavy play that we've gotten for various Felicity and, and Ollie breakups. If they're going to do that, I really hope that they do. That will get me more invested. Well, you'll have to let me know how it goes because, like, I've been saying since, like, this season started, like, I was going to finish the show after the crossover, and I'm pretty much uh-huh. done. Okay. I may come back for, like, the episode 10 to see what they do with the new Laurel. But after that, I'm probably going to be like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good guys. Uh, yeah. this will clear up my Wednesdays a little bit to continue watching comedies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm probably going to like finish up, like see what they do with this new Laurel a little bit and see if that kind of entices me to come back. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm, I'm done probably. Well then how are you about legends of tomorrow? This week we had the Chicago way. Are you similarly like, good i'm it's every time i think i'm out they kind of pull me back in a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's that's where the chicago way kind of like brought me in was i was just like oh guys i was kind of ready to be done and it i think part of me sticking around because they're only doing 13 so it's significantly less of 13 or 16 it's significantly less of a commitment compared to doing another 12 episodes of Arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what the show keeps reminding me of is that when it clicks into place, it's a great deal of fun. And for me, this episode was a great deal of fun. Um, From the whole... I could do with, like, a little bit less of um, Nick Zano, because I can't remember his character's name. Um, Haywood. Haywood. Uh, Haywood and Ray, like, kind of, like, battling each other out. Nah. Posturing, posturing, yeah. yeah, that's a really good word. But that seemed to be resolved this week, so hopefully it doesn't come back. Um, but when everything clicks into place, it's a lot of fun. It's very, I enjoyed like all the costuming stuff. I enjoyed Ray's really terrible Sean Connery impression for the Untouchables mention because they just couldn't go two scenes without mentioning the Untouchables. Of course, because that was their only touch point for this entire episode but then they do other stuff where it's just like i like the fact that martin's grappling with this whole he created an aberration that he wants to keep the memories of it, the motivations for sarah being okay with it are really kind of murky in this and they basically amount to the fact that eh, we just we need to keep martin around for various reasons not the least of which is that they will both die if Jax isn't nearby <laughs> as we learned way back in Flash. So I really enjoyed it. I like the building team up that they're doing with Legion of Doom. Even though I have questions about why in the world Damien Dark would work with Malcolm. 
but I also don't know which version of Damien Dark we're dealing with. Yeah, which we're in the timeline, yeah. Right, and I'm assuming it's pre-Arrow, so his his connection to Malcolm is purely the fact that it's a guy he knew from the League of Assassins, uh, even though I like the continuity of the fact that Malcolm's wearing a glove on his mechanical hand. <laughs> so I'm enjoying the build-up to that, and I'm eager to see how that uh, continues to build and how they end up working in Captain Cold, which leads to the heat wave stuff of him seeing Leonard start and how that's where that's going to go because the show's done a very good job, even starting last season, but this season as well, of getting us into Rory's head a lot. And I really, really like that. Um, the one place that it needs work is I need them to figure out what they're doing with Amaya. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can like expound on that a little bit since you went, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how did you feel about the Chicago way? Are you ready to be done with legends tomorrow? Or are you in a similarly roped back in sort of scenario? Oh, it's stupid fun. When yeah, it's, it when is. It's stupid fun. And I have a lot of time for that. Uh, yeah. I've stopped watching S.H.I.E.L.D. I can give my mm-hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. hour to this instead. Uh, right. Took way too long for me to stop watching S.H.I.E.L.D., but I eventually did break up with it this season. Um, they have a lot of really strong parts, and they have gotten a lot better about knowing how to use those parts. Uh, they don't always do a terrific job with that. Uh, they don't, I haven't gotten anything approaching the the power that they drew from snart's journey in the end of last season there's been nothing even close to that um and that's a bit of a shame but they haven't also they haven't gone for that as much i think they're starting to do that little stein and going like let's give the dramatic stuff to victor garber good idea guys good idea. right and it's it's also really smart because, based on interviews he's given, he kept harassing them about uh, Stein's wife all last season, yeah. and they kept forgetting, and he's been very <laughs> vocal in his interviews about the fact that, well, why isn't Martin talking to his wife? He doesn't even seem to remember he has a wife, and now it very much feels like a mayor culpa from the writers going, well, here's the daughter, and she's been signed as a recurring character for the rest of the season. So she'll start showing up a lot on Legends Tomorrow, which I'm excited about. Anyway, sorry, yeah, continue. No, that's fine. Um, but the, I do still think it's a significant problem. First of all, that the show doesn't seem to think it's a problem. But in general, that they're, they're, now they have two women on the show. In a team of how many yeah. people? So many people. So many people. Like, like all of yeah. the people? Like, like eight, right? Isn't there like eight of them? Yeah. Um, yes. And they have two women, and uh, they. I enjoy when they get to interact, which is not enough. But um, they, they have talented a talented cast uh, that they generally seem to know how to use now. Um, yes. But they added. They had additions this year, and rather than going, "Hey, you know what? You know what was our biggest problem last year with some of our casting and our utter bungling of this one storyline with the Hawk Girl and, and Hawkman." Um, uh, so, or Hawk Woman, what is, Hawk Girl, right? Hawk, Hawk girl. girl. She doesn't get, she to, doesn't be get to be a woman. She's Hawk Girl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, but, um, they, they brought in Amaya, I think, because they went, oh, we need some more diversity. And they didn't think beyond that. Uh, yeah. and that's a problem. And so, the fact that they've improved on so many things from last season tells me that they can identify flaws. But the fact that they didn't recognize that this was one of their problems is disconcerting as well. 
So it feels like they're going to have to be dragged along by basically fan response saying, inclusivity, please. Just just not just a bunch of white dudes punching each other and posturing for who gets to be the most hero of the heroes and who gets to geek out the most about their love of, of superheroes and, and when they were a kid and wanting to, you know, like, the backstory for so many of these characters is the same. And uh, that's, that's um, you know, that's a problem. Uh, but it's still fun. And as long as they don't it try is. to tackle slavery in Again. ten minutes of an episode, um, I can I can be I can be here for uh, you know bickering over who knows you know old timey Chicago the best. Yes, and I've, I I I'll co-sign all of that in that they clearly, like you said, are very much aware of issues that they can do, and I legitimately feel like a lot of the Amaya stuff is similar to the Hawk stuff in that they had a story idea and they needed to commit to it. And their story idea for this season was very much, we're going to do the JSA type of thing. And then they fully intended to have current timeline Vixen be part of the show. And the actress was like, I have scheduling conflicts. I can't do this. So they decided to do her grandmother and they just, kind of plugged her into the JSA without any context, which is what you're talking about, is that she has no backstory, she has no context for being here, aside from, I want to get the speedster because they killed Rex. and But there's no history to her character, really. And the motivation for her being there is, fades in and out, depending on whom they're dealing with that week. They knew that they needed more diversity, and they knew that yeah. they, needed, they needed more women, and they needed more people of color, so they got a, a woman of color character and, and and developed a plot point for why she was there rather than developing a character. Yeah. And that is a problem. And the, the actor is fine, but she's not good enough to overcome that in the way that, for example, Mick Rory, also not much of a character, but, you know, uh, Dominic Purcell is having a lot of fun with it and he's he's yeah. made that a character and, and the the other cast have done more to create a character with the outline that or the plot points they were given um and yeah i, I don't really see that changing or fixing <laughs> this season but we'll see we'll see yeah um how did you feel about the fact that um rip humper rip hunter yeah is directing a Rip Hunter film? I don't care. <laughs> or a television show? You don't, I don't care. care. Okay. You you didn't you weren't wondering where author Dawville no. was this whole no, time? No, I wasn't. No. I don't care and no. I don't think the show should care, but I know that they will. Cuz the the show is worse with him there because again, it's just too much of the same type and the same character and um they've shown like, the trouble with with when you take a character away is that if the show is better without the character and then you are bringing that character back, there's no reason for us to assume the show won't be worse when he's back. So, <laughs> you know. Right. And Rip would probably want to take over. And I I really like, and we talked about this last week, I really like Sarah Being in charge. is the captain, yeah. is in charge, and is keeping eyes on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me come back to this cargo hold. And it's just like, mm, yeah. I love Sarah. Sarah's <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, well, I mean... I saw that. I was like, "Oh, that's their cliffhanger." Ah, uh, gosh. Okay. Hopefully, they surprise us. Hopefully, they surprise me. Well, what wins your week in reality and genre? 
Uh, I, I guess I gave it to Top Chef for surprising me, since I, but th- this is as much on me as it is on the show, since I didn't know that they were doing a half-redemption season, so I was very pleased with that, and I'm very eager to see what we have in store for us. Uh, what about you? What won your week? Yeah, I really enjoyed Hairspray, but it was, again, it just did feel rather inessential, so I, I will also mm-hmm. give it to Top Chef. And, uh, like, the two episodes last week and this week's episode kind of combined since I watched them both this week. Um, yeah, because there, there's nothing quite like the energy and fun of, of being surprised, pleasantly surprised by a show. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the podcast. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email theteleverse at gmail.com. You can f- uh, like us on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And you can also find us on Stitcher. And we're both up on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Um, and that, because we do not, uh, as Bruce said, we do not have a DVD shelf this week. Uh, second time in five years, yeah, going on, going on six, that we do not have an, an extra segment at the end. Uh, but this is our podcast. We can do what we want. So I feel okay with that. You feel okay with that, Noel? I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Um, so we will, uh, yeah, so that will wrap up our weekend TV. We hope to hear from you guys. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.